Hello and welcome to another installment of Soccer Pints, your one-stop shop for all things American soccer. I'm your host, Will Clark. If you aren't familiar, Soccer Pints is an American soccer podcast where we cover everything we can about U.S. soccer, Americans in Europe, Major League Soccer, and many other exciting topics. From time to time, I will be joined by guest hosts, as well as conduct interviews with some of the biggest influencers in American soccer. In addition, each episode, we will be featuring beer from some of the best breweries across the land while we discuss these topics. So while you listen in, grab a pint yourself while we break down the American soccer scene, and as always, support your local brewers. Well, we had a roster release this Wednesday with 24 players being named to the U.S. Men's National Team's first training camp of the year for two friendlies next week against Serbia and Colombia. So today, we're going to look at who made the squad, and what should we really expect to take away from this camp. I'm also going to answer a few more questions and give my final thoughts of the week. This week's beer feature comes from Charlotte, North Carolina, from one of the original breweries in Charlotte's beer scene. Actually, Charlotte's oldest brewery there is, the Old Mecklenburg Brewery. OMB is known for their classic German-style influences and strictly adheres to the oldest beer purity law in the world, the Reinheitskabout, which states that beer should only contain four ingredients, water, malt, hops, and yeast. And it shows, as all of their beers are of the highest quality, they're fresh, and they're easy to enjoy. So today, I've got a crispy pilsner known as Captain Jack, which is 4.8% in alcohol and just really clean and is the definition of a beer-flavored beer. This is your classic light golden-colored lager with a crisp hoppiness in every sip. Old Mecklenburg has an absolutely phenomenal brewery setup with a traditional German-style beer garden and brew house, plenty of outdoor space, it's family and pet-friendly, and their food menu has some of the best German options in all of Charlotte. So thank you to Old Mech for letting me feature you this week. Cheers. All right, well, we mentioned this two weeks ago, that Anthony Hudson was named as interim head coach for the national team. And he's brought a mix of familiar names with experience and some other names that some haven't heard of before. This is a traditional watered-down training camp that falls during a non-FIFA fixture window, which means that clubs do not have to release their players for these international matches. So I say take this with a grain of salt because none of the regular European players are in camp. So I made my best guesstimate into the roster in last episode, and I'd like to brag that I actually got two-thirds of the roster correct. So I missed eight names that didn't that I didn't think would be released in the camp, but I'm pleasantly surprised that they were. So hopping right into the goalkeeping position, we get to see the veteran Sean Johnson, who still is a free agent, but all in all will bring a good presence to the squad. We also have Cincinnati FC goalkeeper Roman Celitano, who really had an excellent rookie season in MLS and deserves to get his name in the mix. And third, we get to see Gaga Slonina, who recently transferred to Chelsea and is still getting acclimated to life in England. But lo and behold, he gained his release, and this will be a good chance for him to showcase his skills to become a regular in the U.S. goalkeeping rotation. I thought we might see JT Marsikowski uh, from San Jose and maybe even Chris Brady from Chicago, but Hudson chose to go with some familiar names and only one new face here. In the defense, there are only three players who have made a senior team appearance, the popular Walker Zimmerman, the unpopular Aaron Long, and Jonathan Gomez from Real Sociedad in Spain, 
who has earned one appearance at the senior level. Gomez is a really intriguing name here, and he's somebody who can break through this cycle if he stays committed to the U.S. program and doesn't flip over to Mexico. And in addition to these three, we have Dewan Jones of New England, John Tolkien from New York Red Bull, Jalen Neal from the LA Galaxy, Julian Gressel from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and Sam Rogers from Rosenberg in, in Norway. Neal is a regular for our youth national teams and is one of the most talented players coming through our system. Gressel recently received his U.S. citizenship after being born in Germany and coming to the U.S. in 2013 to play college soccer at Providence and has been an MLS standout ever since. Rogers is a big center back with an attacking ability unlike anyone in our defensive pool, and he's just 23 years old and has played great in the Norwegian League. Now, John Tolkien and Dewan Jones are both very, very popular hot names in MLS. I mentioned them in my last episode. They both can play left back. Uh, exciting prospects. So I am interested to see how they fit in as well. Of the names that I thought would be called in, I missed on Shaq Moore, Brooks Lennon, and Henry Kessler. I mentioned Caleb Wiley, Brandon Craig, and Josh Winder as names who might be called in, but they were selected for the under-20 camp that starts this week as well. In the midfield, Kellen Acosta leads the way with Paxton Pomkel and Eric Williamson, also as members who have earned a senior appearance before. These were also the first three names that I've mentioned in my prediction. However, we won't see Christian Roldan due to the FIFA Club World Cup that Seattle is preparing for in two weeks. We also won't see Keaton Parks, who I thought might sneak into the roster. However, we will see Aiden Morris, who is an exciting prospect from Columbus. He has a lot of potential, and I'm excited to see him within this squad. Two others that will be making their first ever appearance with the senior national teams are Alan Sonora, who is currently a free agent. He grew up in Argentina. He's an attacking midfielder, and he brings a different flair into this squad that we don't have. The other name we'll all be familiar with. Paxton Aronson, the younger brother of Brendan Aronson. He's brought into camp after his recent transfer to the Bundesliga side Frankfurt. Paxton has followed right in his brother's path and certainly looks like someone we will be hearing about for many years to come. And now on to our favorite position, our forward position, everyone's most popular roles, Jesus Ferreira and Paul Areola lead the way with the most experience in this group. Cade Cowell from San Jose earns a call-up after one appearance uh, in a senior match previously. His teammate, Jeremy Ebubisi, did not get the call-up, however, which is a bit of a surprise on my part considering his success last season in MLS. However, Brandon Vasquez from Cincinnati does get his chance to impress. Matthew Hoppy, who is currently playing with Middlesbrough's under-21 side, was granted release to join camp, and another European-based player in Emmanuel Sabi, who plays for Odense in Denmark. Sabi played for our under-20 team at the 2017 FIFA U-20 World Cup. His inclusion, though, is a bit of a head-scratcher. I'm really not sure about him. I don't know much about his game, but just seems like an odd one to bring in. The one inclusion that is really exciting, though, and that I'm probably the most intrigued to watch is Alejandro Zendejas 
from Club America in Mexico. Zendejas represented the U.S. youth national teams, but he represented Mexico's senior national team in two friendlies earlier last year. Just this week, Mexico was fined by FIFA and forced to forfeit those two matches due to the fact that Zendejas was not eligible to represent Mexico without filing a one-time switch with FIFA, which he did not do. So Zendejas joins the U.S. camp, and he is a major win for the dual national fight if we can retain him in this squad. So just as I thought, we are seeing a lot of new faces, 13 uncapped players out of the 24 players called in. This is their chance to showcase their skills, albeit to an interim coach and program that is in the transition phase. I know I called this January camp camp cupcake because that is historically what it has been known for. But this is a camp that allows these players an opportunity to experience what senior international life is like. While I won't put any stake into these friendlies, these performances, this coaching staff, or anything else, it's still something to evaluate and look at. I won't be previewing these matchups at all, but I will break down the results and player performances. But either way, it's good to see some of these names in this camp. And if I were to pick a starting 11 for the first friendly next Wednesday, I would say let's roll out Slovenia in goal. Right back is a little tricky to predict because Jones and Gomez and Tolkien are all traditional left backs, but I think Jones Jones is going to go on the right and Gomez on the left to start. With Walker Zimmerman and Aaron Long in the middle of defense, just for that veteran presence to start out with. In the midfield, I would expect to see Acosta in the defensive mid-roll with Paxton Pomkul and Alan Sonora in more attacking advanced center mid-rolls. On the left flank up top, I would like to see Zendejas with Vasquez central at striker and Areola on the right side. We will see a lot of players swap in during these matches, but overall, it's a decent blend of MLS veterans and some new faces as every camp cupcake is. So, what can we expect from this camp? What will be the takeaways? I think we should expect a lot of these players to get their first caps. Again, there's 13 individuals that have never played for the national team. I think I'm most interested in Zendejas, Sonora, Aiden Morris, and up top, I want to see if Brandon Vasquez is able to step up and finish some chances. I also think it will be a very conservative game plan. Given Anthony Hudson is running the camp for the first time and there isn't a ton of experience in this camp. I don't know what kind of rosters that Serbia and Colombia will have, so I'm assuming that this will be a B-slash-C level type of matchup without many A players at all. I think takeaways will be that Celentano and Slonina look strong in goal for the future. I think Jalen Neal, Sam Rogers, Jonathan Gomez, and Dewan Jones will walk away from camp with bright, outfo- bright outlooks for their senior future call-ups in the defense. Also think we'll notice the younger Aronson brother Paxton isn't quite ready for this level. I think we'll also leave camp with question marks with our offense and forwards yet again. Who's going to score our goals? That's always the question. I just still don't see it within this squad. I think the biggest takeaway will be that this camp really doesn't serve much more of a purpose than just allowing some new faces to get some exposure within the U.S. soccer program. And it allows coaches to evaluate them much more closely than just scouting their matches with their club teams. So at the end of the day, I hope we win both friendlies and build some momentum within this group 
But if we lose, I won't be losing sleep over it. All right. So time to switch it up and get into the questions for today. First up, why do they even have this camp if it's useless? And it's definitely a fair question to ask, and I don't have much of an answer for you. It is truly a pretty worthless camp. Sure, it gets some outside players the experience of being with the senior national team and incorporating some of the regular youth national team players with some veterans. But this year is even more different, considering we don't have a full-time coach yet. We don't know what system, what style, or what tactics we'll be moving with forward or going forward with. One of the most puzzling questions of the entire week was U.S. soccer announcing an under-20 camp as they're preparing for their U-20 World Cup this summer. And U.S. soccer took their head coach, Mikey Veras, to serve in as assistant at the senior camp. It just seems counterintuitive to take your U-20 head coach away from the team that's in the middle of their World Cup preparations. But that's beside the point, I guess. I really don't know why we do this camp. I don't have a good answer for you. It means nothing. And it truly accomplishes nothing. Second question this week. What else could be the delay with hiring a coach? Are they just waiting to hire Greg? And that's another great question that came in. And another that I don't have much of an answer for you. If you listen to Alexi Lalas's podcast this week, you would be brainwashed into thinking Greg is the best fit for the job. If you listen to Landon Donovan during an interview this week, you would think the same thing. But if you listen to Demarcus Beasley or even Taylor Twelman or other former players and pundits not associated with Fox or U.S. soccer, you would know that it's time to move forward with another coaching candidate. I think the whole Raina Burhalter family drama and situation, we can move on from Grant, from Greg. And I really think without all of that coming out publicly, U.S. soccer would have extended Greg and hired him. Now I think they're doing their true due diligence on foreign candidates and figuring out the best plan of attack. We have Nations League matches in March and in June and the Gold Cup this summer. And it would be nice to have a coach in place before then. But there's no guarantees into what that could look like. We might be sitting here with Anthony Hudson for the next few months just to get by. But before we freak out and really think that this program's falling apart, Mexico and other nations still haven't hired coaches yet either. So we aren't the only country in this transition period. Up next, is there anyone not in this camp that you were surprised about? Yeah, I wouldn't say surprised about any of this. I don't, I'm not surprised who's in and who's not. There's some names that I first saw I definitely questioned, but again, given that this means nothing, I didn't think twice about it. Seeing Brandon Craig, Jack McGlynn, and Quinn Sullivan in the U20 camp, all of which are teammates with Paxton Aronson at Philadelphia, I thought they all could have been called into the senior camp. Josh Winder, again, also being in that camp, Would have been fun to see, but he's just 17 and 18 years old. The under-20 roster is absolutely loaded. So there's a lot of talent in there that could make the leap into the senior team during the 2026 cycle. We have a few of them that are age-eligible that are in the senior camp right now. So I also haven't heard 
if anyone that was requested to come in was denied. So usually that happens for the European sides. Any league technically could, including MLS. But overall, no, there's no surprises for me on this. And final question for today. What gives? You didn't do an episode last week. Yeah, yeah. I know I didn't release an episode last week. You don't need to remind me. I was patiently waiting for the roster to be released and figured it would have been last weekend and had anticipated releasing this episode by then. But lo and behold, in true U.S. soccer fashion, they decided to postpone announcing until Wednesday. So I missed out on an episode. It just means that I'm going to have a couple more in the near future than normal, Um, you know, especially breaking down Serbia's game, breaking down the Colombia game. There'll probably be two different episodes back to back. Who knows? Might have some some uh, guest hosts join as well. But apologies to all who are expecting a new episode sooner than today. All right. On to the final thoughts of the week. First up, the U.S. women opened up their 2023 with a trip to New Zealand this week and defeated the host nation 4-0 behind two goals from Mallory Swanson and a goal apiece from Alex Morgan and Lynn Williams. After a goalless first half, and honestly, a pretty lifeless first half from the U.S., they came out in the second half with much more energy, and Swanson scored in the 52nd minute to kick it off. The teams are going to meet again tomorrow on Saturday in another friendly. As the U.S. women are gearing up for the 2023 World Cup that will be in New Zealand this summer, so they are getting logistics figured out in advance of their stay there. All right, next up, Tyler Adams was named the U.S. Men's Player of the Year by U.S. Soccer after his extraordinary year with the U.S. Men and with Leeds United and his life in the Premier League. Not only did Adams prove to be a tremendous presence on the pitch at the World Cup, but he has continued his fine form at Leeds and continues growing as a dominant central defensive midfielder. Again, Tyler is 23 years old and he just captained his country at a World Cup. He is leading his club team at Leeds United in the Premier League. He transferred over from a top Bundesliga side in Red Bull Leipzig. The young man is coming, and he is going to continue to grow and be a big name in American soccer for years to come. So congrats to him. Eunice Musa was named the U.S. Young Male Player of the Year, and I don't think Anyone can argue against that. A starting midfield performance for the senior national team at the World Cup all before your 20th birthday is an accomplishment that none of us, well, not many of us, will ever have. So congrats to both Tyler and Eunice for their fantastic accomplishments in 2022. All right, up next, just a quick reminder that Major League Soccer is in full preseason training mode, and we are about a month away from the season opening matches. There should be some exciting storylines entering the year, and I will be doing some looks into those in the next couple of weeks. So as we get into MLS season, I'm not as well-versed on every single team in the league, so I'm going to leverage some co-hosts to come in and help break down some things. So if there's anything specifically, any teams, any players that you have questions about, Please send them on over to me, and we'll make sure to analyze that. Now, one storyline, and and again, this is my final thought of the week. One storyline that that's not exciting. It's it's very tragic, um, and I hate to have to end on another low note for for this episode. But 
Charlotte FC defender Anton Walks died on Thursday morning after a jet ski accident during the team's preseason training trip in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. At just 25 years old, Walks had become an integral part of the Charlotte FC squad and a fan favorite of the supporters. So just a tragic accident. We still don't know all the news, but we know it's very difficult to hear about it for the entire Charlotte FC family, team, leadership, um, fans. Tough, tough situation. Anton was well-liked all across the league. So rest in peace. All right. Well, that's it for today. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Please continue to share Soccer Pints with others and follow Soccer Pints on Instagram and Twitter. We continue to grow, and I appreciate all the help from each listener. In the next couple of weeks, we will be breaking down the Serbia and Colombia friendlies, the player performances there, as well as looking at a few new topics within American soccer. In addition, like I just mentioned, we'll be previewing the MLS season. We're also in the process of finalizing some collaborations with others in this field, and I plan to bring in former guests like Brian Edwards and Eric Pollan for some chats as well. So a lot to come here in the near future. Special thanks again to Old Mech for letting me feature you this week. Until next time, cheers, my friends.